This, this is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One Make no mistake. America. Great here, great America. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. The Capitol has been breached, and now the Capitol is on lockdown. It is a very dark, a very challenging day, America. This was not supposed to happen. This should not have happened. And I continue to look at this and just, oh, the the frustration, the anger, because I know what people were doing in D.C. today. I know why there were tens or perhaps hundreds of thousands of patriots gathered in D.C. They believe that they had a stolen election. They believe that the Democrat Party continues to have two sets of rules in the way the media treats us, in the way the laws are applied, and in the cancel culture and the authoritarian elements of wokeness and now taking over corporate America. It's in the corporate boardroom. It's in your kids' classrooms. It's all over the place. And they've had enough, and they feel helpless. But the people who are out there, the people who have decided to take it upon themselves to, for whatever reason, to go after in this way, to go after the Capitol building and to breach its defenses and to attack law enforcement officers, they're wrong. What they're doing only hurts the movement. What they're doing only makes things worse for everyone. And the president has said that they should disperse himself and that they should be peaceful. But they weren't entirely peaceful. Now, this is hijacking the very understandable, the frustrations of so many others. I mean, if we're, let's say there were, and I don't know the number, no one really knows the exact number. Let's say there were 100,000 people who gathered in D.C. today. And I'm just guessing. Don't take me. Whatever the number may be. Perhaps there were 500 or 1,000 who stormed Capitol Hill. And yet now, what is going to be the storyline of this day of certification of the 2020 vote? What are we going to hear? What will the Democrat-controlled media say about the entire movement, not just those who crossed the red line, who transgressed here. And now understand this. It's going to be largely viewed through just the political lens I'm talking to you about. They're, they're not going to say, oh, there were people that were down there who were peaceful. I can see them on TV in real time right now. People who are being peaceful, who are down there and doing exactly what we would expect our fellow Americans to do, which is raise their voices, hold up their placards, but do so with respect for the law and with respect for the system. Because as conservatives, as people on the right, we have to remain in the right. And that means respecting the rule of law. That means being people who can be counted on. You know, it was really disappointing to see law enforcement attacked today by conservatives. And then even seeing some others on, on social media, at least, who were saying, well, you know, the, the cops shouldn't have been in the way or, well, the... No, that's disgraceful. Do we back the blue or not? 
Do we believe in law and order or not? We have principles whether the other side does or not. It doesn't change for us. And the only person, the only people, I should say, who can give up the principles that we hold is us. And we're not going to do that. We haven't done that, but we all need to speak with one voice about this because this should never have happened. Not in America, not on my watch, not on yours. The election has so many questions around it still, and we have a hearing going on today. We have members of Congress raising those concerns, speaking about what they believe are unanswered questions about allegations of fraud and this was all within the process i've been all for it since the election let's investigate every allegation of fraud out there let's look at this let's make sure we compile the data that we have the information and that we bring it forward to court now i understand there's this impulse and you're seeing this now from many on the right to say well they do these bad things So now we somehow don't have to call it out when it's among those who are ostensibly our own. And I'm not even dealing yet with I know there are allegations out there as well of agents, uh, agents provocateur, that there are people who are false flags in this crowd. We don't know that. I can't tell you that because I can't prove it. And it doesn't look like it from what I've seen so far. But I'll tell you this. If it were just false flags, why are so many people online saying that they in some way support this or in some way justify this? There is no justification for this. All this does is hurt our side. All this does is make everything more difficult. Every political battle that we fight, all of it. And that's, I I think, the, the ultimate irony and tragedy of the situation is that we have so many who think that what they're doing here, and when I say so many, hundreds, perhaps thousands in D.C., whatever it may be, they think that this is helping when, in fact, they have done more damage. And this is why I believe there's so many people whose mind immediately goes to false flag. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying no proof of that yet. But so many people's minds go to false flag operation with this because they understand intuitively right away this is disastrous for MAGA. This is disastrous for a political future for Trump, for Trump supporters. Now, it's not the end. I'm not sitting here saying the sky is falling down and and, and that America is coming apart. We will get through this, but we need to be honest and clear-eyed about exactly what has gone on here. This is where we draw the line. This is where we hold the line. We say no to this kind of behavior. Because we have to be better than the other side. I know about, please, BLM. I When there were Trump people, I'm just going to tell you this. When there were Trump people in June, including some of his top advisors, some of them not such great advisors, i got to tell you, some of his top advisors saying that we should, we should make concessions to BLM and that we should have police reform Republicans, not just Trump advisors, Republicans in, in elected office. We should reform the police. Maybe we should rename some uh, some towns and cities or, or some military bases or whatever the case may be. Let's just let's try to buy off the BLM movement with some of these gestures. And I was saying, no, you don't give in to a movement that uses 
violence, intimidation, destruction, and lawlessness to get its way. You don't do that. And now we see that that was clearly only going to encourage the BLM movement, and the media excused them, and the Democrat Party embraced it, and they pandered, and it was disgraceful. I mean, it was a summer of disgrace. Yet somehow, and I know a lot of you think it's because they cheated. I know you believe that. And I think there was cheating, too. I just need the proof so that we can actually win in the system. If, if we abandon the system, I'm going to tell you this right now. If, if we go full Alinsky and try to you know, overturn everything and nothing counts anymore, if we go with some kind of a, a populist right-wing nihilism, you know who's really good at breaking principles, violating laws, intimidating people, and getting their way through force? The left. And you know what our shield is against that? That we adhere to the rule of law and that we are better than that. And we have been and we will continue to be. But today is a, is a massive, a massive blunder on the part of those who did this. And we need to say that. And I'm just, I'm here, I'm sharing my honest frustrations with you because I'm trying to think, and I've been talking about this in recent days, about how we mount something similar to the Tea Party where we mobilize, we organize, we are resisting the encroachments on liberty, we are resisting the unconstitutional actions, but we're doing so in ways that we're all proud of. And I, it's so unfair, isn't it? You know, I, I described the people storming the Capitol as being selfish because you know what they've done? They've created an opening for everyone else, the tens of thousands of my fellow patriots and Americans and many, many people I know in D.C. I have personal friends at the rally, not storming the Capitol, but at the rally today. Dear, some of them will call in today over the course of the show and tell us what they saw. But what they stood for and what they were hoping for has been hijacked by this uh, by this group of. I, I, what, what do we even call them? What do they think they're accomplishing here? Oh, do they, they really believe that this is going to overturn the result. They're posting photos and video on social media. You can see this. God, it would be great if we found out that these were actually, you know, Antifa activists or something posing as Trump supporters. But it's quite an operation if they pull that one off and we have no proof of it yet. We need proof. We're unlike the left. We also rely on things like evidence to make our claims. We, we don't just say things. We don't have whisper campaigns and then weaponize the DOJ like they did against Trump. Use the deep state and the classified backroom. Oh, I can't tell you about that. You're not cleared for it. Partisan ambush. That's what the Hillary supporting deep staters did. Now, we, we do it all out in the open. We tell people what we want, who we are, what we're all about. And I, I can appreciate in every way. I, I was thinking about how I had so many good friends going to this rally and that this was the beginning of something like the Tea Party. Which everyone should be so, everyone on the right should be to this day so proud of what the Tea Party accomplished, which was massive political mobilization that was not only peaceful, but was successful and was uh, orderly. I mean, it even went above law abiding. I mean, the Tea Party didn't even leave litter behind them for the most part. I mean, the Tea Party was 
a, a movement that people really could be and should have been proud of. And there was and there still is, I believe, an opening for something like that. Now, look, we we didn't win these Georgia Senate seats. Yes, yeah, something else can come up and maybe and, you know, but I'm going to tell you this. I, I've been saying for weeks now. I want us to fight this to the end, and we, we use the process and do everything we can within the process to both get the true results, the accurate results of the election, and also to, yes, slow the Biden administration down. But there are places we cannot go. There are lines that we cannot cross. And I know you're not doing it, and I'm not doing it. But what was troubling to me today wasn't only this assault on the congress and that's what this was i mean this was not just some rally somewhere this was in the united states capitol this was people scaling the walls it looked like something be honest with yourself you know it it looked like something out of a third world uh, banana republic dictatorship people scaling the walls and people you know all of a sudden the election isn't going to count anymore and guns drawn in the capitol there were reports still of, uh, of, a, of a woman being shot in the neck. I'll make sure I check in and, make, and see what the latest is on that one. But blood on the steps of, or on, on the floor of Congress because some people took it upon themselves to ruin so much of the good work that's been done by MAGA, by the Trump administration, by the people who are pushing for an America First agenda that all of us, including the Democrats and the leftists who absolutely despise Trump, could share in. We actually want a better, safer, happier, freer country. This isn't just about my team, their team. It's not political tribalism. It's supposed to be about what's best for the country. And that's what MAGA at its core is rooted in. This today is the opposite of MAGA, what we saw at Capitol. I'm not talking about all the protesters. I'm talking about those who stormed the Capitol. And let's be very clear about this, too. What was the favorite tactic of the left during the BLM protests? What was their favorite thing that they said? You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Mayhem at the Capitol earlier today. Quote, I'm asking for everyone at the Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. That is the right message here from the president. And we need to understand that, for example, those law enforcement officers on Capitol Hill who are protecting our members of Congress, Republican and Democrat, as as they darn well should, they're doing their job. And there, there is nothing about what was happening today where cops, I mean, there's a lot of video, you can see it, cops are being attacked, cops are being uh, pepper sprayed. Um, it, it, this, this is what we expect from the other side. This is what we expect from the left. I will say I'm very, I'm very uh, heartened by the fact that conservatives, the conservatives that I know who are not only great minds and and excellent broadcasters and thinkers uh, but but i also know personally are good people they're all just saying look this is this is unacceptable we condemn this this isn't a cond- condemnation but it isn't what the left does and that's the big separation what did they always say about blm all summer this past summer 
And they've done it before, too. Oh, it was a mostly peaceful protest. And that was what they hid behind. Not dealing with the reality of what had actually happened. And, and standing in front of buildings on fire and saying, oh, well, until this, it was great. Now, they do that because they don't want to offend their constituents, being the left, the socialists, the Antifa, BLM. They, they don't want to upset them. And their audience at places like CNN and MSNBC are very, uh, very favorable to those groups. If they're not even a part of them themselves, they, they like those groups a lot. So they always give this out. They always have this on the one hand, on the other, or half-hearted description of this. I'm here to tell you, people that showed up today in, in D.C. to protest what they feel is a stolen election, and, and the ones who were abiding by the laws and were respecting their, their fellow Americans, God bless them, and that's right within the American, American tradition, period. The people that stormed the Capitol building and attacked police officers and took selfies on the floor of Congress after having to be evacuated and at Capitol Hill police pulling their guns, they don't know what this is. They don't know if they're going to, uh, these, these rioters are going to do something far more violent than just breaking in the windows, which is bad enough on its own. Those people are, their actions should be condemned unequivocally fully and i do and all of us should those actions were wrong wrong and the president is telling them that they're wrong i do wish we'd have a little bit more forcefulness from him on this i'm just going to say it and and i i understand how upsetting not just to not just the last few days uh, have been but also ever since november i understand that there are people out there who feel like they're losing their country but there's a way to fight against this thanks for listening to the bus sex and show podcast remember to subscribe on apple podcast the iheart radio app or wherever you get your podcasts curfew sets in after mob invades u.s capital that's what's on cnn.com right now it's exactly the kind of headline that everyone at cnn who hates trump is thrilled to see i can tell you that i, I want to bring in my friend john cardillo now he's ex nypd he's a conservative commentator radio host and and buddy of mine john I, it's a tough day i appreciate you joining yeah you know very tough day sad day for america and you're right cnn's going to uh sensationalized these headlines right when, when black lives matter and antifa were out there destroying businesses destroying cities chanting for the police to be killed they were called peaceful protesters this is a mob this is a violent mob and look i don't you know buck i don't condone a lot of what we're saying right terrorism is terrorism no matter who does it it we on the right at least call it as we see it the left fails to do that and I, I think it's important that we always maintain that principle. I mean, one, one reason that I can sit here, and I did, and John, you and I were talking, and it's one of the reasons I want to bring you on, when BLM was happening, when when police stations were being bur literally burned down in, in places like yeah. Minnesota, and, and businesses looted, and, and all that mayhem was happening, I was able to say, not only is this completely unacceptable but this is what their side does and they need to own that meaning the democrats and the left what happened today makes that much harder 
And that means it helps the people who want to loot and destroy buildings and act out violently. Yeah, look, but this is nothing new, right? I mean, think about it. Donald Trump pardons some, you know, white-collar criminals. The media is apoplectic. Barack Obama pardons FALN terrorist Oscar Lopez Rivera, who uh, was aligned with a group responsible for 130 bombings in the United States, the Puerto Rican separatist group, many of them uh, police stations. He was best of friends with Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers, the Weather Underground, that specifically bombed police stations. And we were called right-wing conspiracy theory nut jobs for pointing out these pardons of commutations actually in the case of lopez rivera we were called right-wing nut job conspiracy theorists for pointing that stuff out so the left has always owned the media we know that but they're very subjective in their narrative and you're right it's only going to get worse going forward what do you think the president's response has been today how, how would how would you assess it and what should what do you think he should do going forward now? We've only got a few weeks before the inauguration is supposed to happen. What should the president's tone be? Well, look, I think the video he put out was was fine. He said he did something more than any prominent national Democrats ever done. In the midst of the unrest, he told people, stop, go home. We need peace. We need law and order. Did Joe Biden do that when BLM and Antifa were rioting? Did Kamala Harris? Did Chuck Schumer? Did Nancy Pelosi? The list goes on and on. We don't have enough time on, on air tonight. But uh, I thought Trump did the right thing, and, and he reiterated that. He reinforced it with a follow-up tweet saying, we need peace, we need harmony, we need law and order. And so I think he needs to carry on that theme. But I have to tell you, Buck, I, I do believe this election was stolen. I do believe there was massive fraud. I do believe the irregularities. I mean, look, I don't remember going back to being a little kid at any other point in history when it took two, three weeks, months to call an election. Election day was was two months ago, New York 22, the congressional district, still isn't formally called. There's something very troubling about that, and it reeks of problems in the electoral process. So I hope Donald Trump uses his mega brand to both shine a bright light on that going forward and to uh, back more America First candidates, both with money and, and his media spotlight in the 22 midterms. Well, I think you raise a very important point. We're speaking to John Cardillo, ex-NYPD officer and... Uh, also conservative commentator and and has been a right along there with me a, a very strong supporter of Trump and the MAGA movement now for for four going on five years and and John you know we we see this kind of situation happen and and we see the way that it's obviously going to be exploited by the left for for their own purposes now right now they're going to try to tar the entire movement now they're going to come after every oh everyone is is responsible for all of this I mean one area where I I do think. You know, they're, they're need, we need to speak with one voice is we can't, you know, we can't back the blue sometimes. And there was a lot of yeah. a video of cops getting attacked. Those cops were doing their jobs. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Look, the Capitol Police <clears throat> in particular, very small department, a professional department. And, uh, yeah, I, I really didn't like the optics of what I saw there with, with the, the Capitol being stormed and these cops being overrun. And, and the response was predictable, right? So what wound up happening, DOJ then brought in tactical teams from the other federal agencies, FBI, DEA, ATF, Homeland Security, and they're always going to supplement. You have a lot of law enforcement, a lot of gun and badge carriers around the D.C. area. So it's, uh, you know, they're going to deploy back up immediately. But the optics of that were terrible for our people. I really, I really was disappointed seeing that. And, you know, we have you raise something very important. We talk about the way elections have been changing. And there's clearly something that is different now about these elections because of the ways that in the COVID year in particular, they've expanded voting and all this other stuff that's going on. You know, we have processes in, say, the judicial system, things like recusal, 
where it's not even someone has a conflict of interest. It's avoiding the appearance of a conflict of interest, right? That's it's not right. that the judge yeah. can't do their job. It's that we all have to believe the judge can do the job without a conflict of interest. That same principle applies to elections. That's why having this delay and, oh, they're going to stop counting and we're going to mail in and we're going to have these ballot boxes, that erodes fundamental trust in the system. Oh, terribly, terribly. I mean, I think it erodes it uh, to an irreparable degree. Now, look. There are provisions in the Georgia Constitution that say, and Georgia state law, the governor can't involve himself in the process. However, Brian Kemp was free to comment on the irregularities. He was free to say things just look really dirty, as was Raffensperger, as was Gary Sterling, and none of them did. So what did people feel? Well, people felt they were complicit. People felt they were owned. Now, I don't know if any of those theories are true, right? I'm not a guy who speculates. I don't. Like you, I mean, I think one of the reasons we get along so well, we deal in facts, even if things fire us up. But I will tell you, it sure looks bad. It looks bad. And when a county in Georgia, in the midst of everything that went on in the general presidential election, decides to stop counting votes at 8 p.m., 9 p.m., and the governor and secretary of state, who are under scrutiny and suspicion, remain silent about that. They don't even issue a statement saying, hmm, we, we don't have the power to do anything, but we think this is a real bad idea. And maybe you guys should count through the night. Well, man, it certainly lends to the theories that are floating around out there. It certainly doesn't help their position. John Cardillo, everybody, formerly of the NYPD. Follow him on uh, on social media if you're not already, on Parler, on Twitter. John, thanks so much, man. Good to talk to you as always. Always great, Buck. Thanks, man. Take care. So here we are, friends, dealing with what was a uh, what should have been a day of Republican unity, speaking with one voice about... Uh, the questions and allegations and just the depressing feeling that we have about this election. I, I, I see this the same way that so many of you do. And now that we have the Senate seats that are being called for Warnock and Ossoff, control of the Senate as well, but this adds to, this is another problem. The timing of this is going to be, it's it's even worse given the transfer of power into Democrat hands right now. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I know that social media companies are entirely in the, in the pocket of the DNC. I know that they've engaged in unprecedented suppression of free speech this year. And, and they've been doing it for a while, but now they're just they're quite open about it. Now they have no qualms about straight up saying that you're not allowed to say question lockdowns. I've been the target of some of this on social media from the companies. I don't mean from from random people. And I've got to tell you, this is unbelievable. Uh, even with all of that, I was about to play for you. Just now, I was about to play for you the president's about minute and 20 second long speech that he released while they were still clearing out Capitol Hill of these uh, these rioters. And that's what they are breaking into a building or the rioters. Protesters are the people who are out on the streets obeying the law and being good citizens and good Americans. Rioters are the people breaking into the building. And we understand these differences. The left, the Democrats don't. We do understand them, and we will call this out. Uh, 
but but I was going to play for you this this Trump uh, comment where he calls for everyone to be peaceful and and he but he says the election was stolen. Twitter has taken it down. A statement from just now, just minutes ago. I mean, I was ready to, to cue this up and play it for you off the president's Twitter account. And one of the biggest and most powerful social media companies in the world has decided that they will not allow they will not allow for um, this to be heard anymore. The president of the United States. It's it's an official statement from him, but he used Twitter because it's a mechanism platform. I mean, this how different is this from if if, uh, you know, Google didn't let you get to whitehouse.gov or something. I mean, this is crazy. But you know why? Because he said that there is a um, there was a stolen election and you're not allowed to say that. And one of the problems we have here, one of the things that we are seeing is that the suppression of ideas like this, the suppression of free speech that we are seeing here results in even more anger and frustration and lack of trust in the system. When social media companies tell you you can't question, as they have to me, lockdowns for COVID-19, for example, that makes me want to question them even more. And when social media companies tell people that you're not allowed to say, I thought we had free speech in America, that means the freedom to be wrong, even. That means the freedom to say things that may, in fact, be untrue. And where was all this fact-checking during the four years of Russia collusion lies? Lying about the president as a traitor. Lying about the president working with the Russians to steal the last election. Yeah, they didn't have left, left-wing left people storm the Capitol. They did have Antifa rioting on Inauguration Day. They did have deep state actors fabricating evidence, lying, and working with the Democrats and the media behind the scenes to create this Grounds for a special counsel around Russia collusion that only a moron could have actually believed had occurred. But they did it. They used it. They slowed down Trump's agenda. They greatly harmed his presidency and with it the American people by perpetuating that lie. By engaging in that lie. Unbelievable stuff, though. I mean, I'm sitting here... And I wanted to, I wanted to tell you about this. Um, I, I wanted to play it for you, and sure enough, right as I'm about to, it's pulled off Twitter. Now we we can, in fact, uh, you know, he, he, I, I do want you to hear it, and so I've had I've had the ability now to uh, reach out and get one of our one of our production team to to, to pull to pull the MP3, and here it is. Pain, I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where 
such a thing happened where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. Go home and go home in peace. That's happening. It looks like the Capitol, at least, has been uh, cleared as I'm speaking to you right now. Um, But the point that he made there about playing into their hands, I I think that really needs to be emphasized. We have now a Democrat takeover of the federal government underway through elections, which whether you think they're real or not, they're the only I mean, whether you think they're fair or not, that's the only thing we've got. That is the system we have. There's not some alternative now. Unless we can present nuclear option level proof here, nothing is going to change. Biden and Harris are going to be president and vice president, and you're going to have a Democrat, well, a 50-50 tie in the Senate that's an effective Democrat majority when Kamala Harris, as president of the Senate, because she's vice president, becomes the tie-breaking vote. And obviously Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House. I know, friends, this is all very disappointing, but... They have been given a gift now, politically speaking, because once they take power and they are on the verge of it, everybody who is associated with the Trump movement, everyone who wants to push the ideas of America first and be a critic, be a a block on the Biden-Harris left-wing agenda, is now going to be saddled with this idiocy of attacking the Capitol building in this way. And look, I know that they didn't storm it all with machine guns and this isn't a coup and they're they're over, you know, they're they're exaggerating in the left here what really happened today. This this wasn't uh, they're they're calling it a a, you know a terrorist takeover at all. No. But it was a it was an unlawful protest. It was a riot. It turned into a riot and the people responsible should be held to account legally and it's incumbent upon all of us to protect our movement, to protect our ideas, our honor. It's This is a point, too. I have a lot of people that, when this first happened, and I'm not one who is prone to profanity, but I, I let something uh, let something go on social media today because, you know, knock this blank out, guys, was what I was saying. As soon as I saw that they had breached and they were running around Capitol Hill, and people are coming at me saying, oh, what happened? I thought I thought you were MAGA. I thought you were a Trump supporter. No, it's because I support the Trump agenda. It's because so many of us support the Trump movement and what that would mean, what the ideas and the policies would do for the country that I continue to do this. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have uh, Will Riccardella joining us now from, from D.C. He is on the ground. He's with the Washington Examiner. Uh, Will, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Buck. All right, man, you're down there. You're around it. You're seeing it. What's going on? Well, the Capitol's pretty well secured now. The sirens are starting to die down. But what started out as a very peaceful gathering and rally kind of, you know, um, 
was got very chaotic when people left the you know the ellipse in front of the White House and walked down to the to the Capitol building. Um, I, I don't think D.C. certainly wasn't prepared for the vast amount of people there were. Uh, there was a few hundred thousand people. It was, a, it, it, it was incredible how many people there were, and it was very easy for it was rife for bad actors to hijack that they weren't prepared at the Capitol for this many people. Um, and the vast majority were peaceful. Um, I, I was there at the most chaotic of times. I was able to walk around. There were no problems. There, I didn't see any property damaged outside the Capitol. There were people had cars parked there. I didn't see anybody breaking car windows, rocking cars, setting fire to cars. There were no, I didn't see any businesses damaged around the Capitol. Most of it was focused inside the Capitol, people who breached the Capitol. You know, Will, I, I did ask a friend right beforehand. I was, I was texting as we were in a, a commercial break, and I was texting a friend who was there, and I said, look, man, I, I know that you're going to tell me the truth and you're going to know what's up. I said, were there, were there any false flags in there? He said, look, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. But he said, i got to tell you, there absolutely were people that, are, that, that, think, that think that they are Trump supporters who were not only in the, in the crowd that, that, that uh, breached the perimeter of the Capitol, but they were the majority of it. What do you make of this? I mean, are, are you... Are you shocked that this happened, or did you feel that, that this one was coming? I'm not shocked, and I can't. what I can't tell you is I see this Antifa rumor. I didn't see Antifa. I didn't see BLM. Um, and the people who I saw at the Capitol were there in the morning. Um, I saw them in the street. Were there people that looked at a place there? Yes. Um, but is that enough evidence to say, oh, Antifa hijacked it? I, I didn't see that. I Look, these were people. This is a cross-section of America. This is the, the American working class or black people white people, uh, Asian people of all ages. There were people on scooters, all elderly people. There were, I saw people with canes and walkers. Um, it was a lot of women, uh, young women, older women, uh, older men, younger men. Um, you know, it was when I got to the Capitol building, the people who were outside were very peaceful. It was the people who were inside. And look, this is a matter of D.C. Uh, police and D.C. Metro and Capitol Hill police being overwhelmed. Um, so again, could this have been handled better by the city? Absolutely. I just don't think that they were they, that they could they could foresee how uh, the frustration of the American people. I mean, these people traveled hundreds of miles, thousands of miles in some cases. These are everyday working people. I, I think that the, their frustration really hasn't been uh, elucidated properly by any of the commentary after the fact that you know COVID it really took away a lot of their livelihoods, and I heard them talking about it that. They were frustrated over the lockdowns and what it did to their bottom line and, and what it did to and, and the election and, 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 you know, the lawlessness that it kind of uh, it bred during the election season and with the last minute rule changes. And they, they feel like they're frustrated and they don't feel like they're being heard. And, uh, you know, it was I wasn't shocked in the morning because I saw how many people there were. And I thought this is way too many people. Something bad is bound to happen. Speaking of Will Riccardella, he is at the Washington Examiner. He's down in D.C. right now and not, not far from where all this stuff has been going down all, all day today. You know, Will, you mentioned the lockdowns, and you and I have been talking about this from the very beginning of the lockdowns on, on air. And, and there is a clear, not only is there a divide between the elites and the people that haven't missed a paycheck and, and are comfortable working from home. Some of them even prefer the work setup, right? There are a lot of people that say, hey, now I've got this virtual life and I don't have to commute anymore. Uh, and, and they 
are oftentimes, especially in the media and the journalists, they're some of the biggest advocates for lockdown. And I do think, yep. and I talk to people about this, there's a sense among many Trump supporters, and I'm sure many of them who are today in D.C., that there was also a willingness to, it's obvious, to use lockdowns in this year of 2020 as a tool to to make the country miserable and therefore more likely to vote against Trump to effectively blame him for all of it. And I think there's a tremendous resentment over that because they made people suffer more than they had to so that Joe Biden could win. Well, you bring, you bring up a couple points. Some we talked about on your show when I said Democratic governors uh, um, hijacked the economy. And, and there was a story in Politico saying, look, they were terrified that the economy would pick back up prior to the election and what that might mean for Trump's reelection chances. So I think that's somewhat empirical that that's why they did it. Uh, now they're looking for a large bailout from from Congress, in which many states just got. So, yeah, that's that's definitely part of it. But we have to look at the past five years. I mean, these are the people that elected Trump. When Trump gets in, you have the previous administration going after him, spying on his campaign. The opposition party created a dossier out of nowhere, no evidence. They opened up investigations. There was a uh, basically a coup at the highest levels of government, started by the Obama administration. They launched investigations, which tied Trump's hands behind his back at the beginning of the administration. So the people felt like they voted him in. And look what the left did to him. I mean, they, they were lying. They were cheating. They were engaging in lawlessness to stop him. Then you then you get into the Ukraine debacle where they engage in impeachment. These people don't feel like they've been heard. Then you take away their livelihoods. You say lockdown. Your job's not essential. You know what I mean? You're the problem. It's you don't wear masks. That's why it's spreading. And when they were fighting against lockdowns in May, they, they mocked them. They said, oh, you're threatening uh, uh, Whitmer and Michigan and look at these people. They can't. It's their fault. It's spreading. And look, this was a big, giant powder keg that, that was ready to explode. These people are frustrated. They don't feel like they're being heard. Then they're being mocked over the election irregularities and and and, and, and people are laughing at them. One, one of the persons who was interviewed has said, look, it has to stop. We feel like we're not a joke. And, and you know, I think that's part of that eruption today. I'm not saying anyone who engaged in lawlessness disobeying a lawful order should be arrested, prosecuted to the highest degree of the law. Same thing with anybody who engaged in property damage should be arrested and put behind bars. I don't care how long. But, I mean, these there were legitimate people there who were extremely frustrated and very passionate. And, and what do they, they want, Will? Because a lot of this was around the certification process today and, and that it felt like there was, there was a hope that maybe Vice President Pence, and he said he wasn't going to do anything, and Pence is... You know, he's, that guy's a man of his word. If he says he's not going to do it, he's not going to do it. But right. but what were they telling you? What were the people who were being lawful and, and respectful citizens, uh, but exercising their First Amendment rights? What do they, what do they want? What do they want to express? And essentially what they were saying was they were tired of abiding by lockdown orders. They were there was a there was an element of we will not comply anymore that. We do follow the law. We are orderly. It's you who are lawless. It's you who are without order. And, you know, and then you demand all of this from us. This is our house. You work for us. That was the real uh, feeling from these people. It's saying we're not going to take it anymore. And they came in vast numbers to show, like, look, stop laughing at us. Stop mocking us. We're serious people. We have lives, too. And I and, and they were tired of their legislatures in the states changing laws in the last minute. They feel like they have no voice. And that it was really a culmination of that. And that's what the people were really talking. These are everyday American, working class Americans, people I grew up with. 
And that, that was their sentiment that I picked up all day. I walked, I was there at 5.45 in the morning. I left at 4.30 p.m. So I was walking, I was, I was, you know, walking among them the entire day, listening to what they were saying. I could, I had, I could go wherever I wanted. Nobody bothered me. I had my phone out the entire day. And Will, you know, there, there were videos circulating and, and still are of some protesters, rioters, uh, attacking police officers, punching police officers and really getting involved with them. I mean, you saw a whole you said what you thought over 100,000 pro uh, 100,000 oh, people gathered way easily, easily way over that. Yes. And and the the interaction that you witnessed, not at Capitol Hill, I'm talking about elsewhere in D.C., elsewhere on the streets between protesters and police. What were they like? 100 percent peaceful. 100 percent peaceful outside of the Capitol. The breach of the Capitol is where everything happened. And think- it was those it was those bad actors that sparked the breach in the Capitol, people smashing the windows and breaching it. Not everybody did it. I mean, there were people who were out there and they kind of hijacked the inauguration, like with the setup for the inauguration. And we're hanging out there and we're saying, you know, we're not going to take this anymore, essentially, and cheering. Um, but it was really the, it was really the fact that the D.C. and I'm not blaming D.C. Metro. I mean, obviously, there were bad actors here. But look, they did not have the proper setup to stop this, which made it rife for hijacking by very bad actors. And that's exactly what happened. Will, what do you think about the president's response? And, and where do we where does the movement? I mean, it's about this is about more than even just Trump's words. Where does the movement go from here? Look, that's a good question. I don't think conservatives are really necessarily in that bad of a place. I, you know, you, you add fuel to the fire with Loeffler and, and, and Purdue losing and you have Democrats do have a majority. But you know, I think there was a lot of overreaction in the media to, in particular among conservatives, to, to the victory. Look, there's good luck getting this, this progressive agenda on board. And we, we're not talking enough about the left's radical agenda and how that kind of created this, you created this monster where they're saying we're going to pack the courts. We're going to you know, have Puerto Rico as a state. We're going to have D.C. as a state if we win the Senate. We're going to fundamentally change America. And that added fuel to the fire. I mean, people talk about Trump and Trump's rhetoric, and a lot of the things he said are stupid, absolutely. But we never talk about, you know, Warnock just got elected. Here's a guy who's an open Semite, open anti-Semite. He's a, a, a socialist radical. I mean, he doesn't like America. In particular, he does not like white people. Um, you know, and here he is now in the Senate, and that's kind of the mentality of the entire Democratic Party. Um, you know, so... You know, a lot of the rhetoric came from them, and that's where a lot of this frustration comes from. Is now that you know a lot of these state governments have kind of abdicated to to Democratic governors power that they shouldn't have, and now you have the federal government the same thing happening, and they feel lost, and they don't have they feel like they don't have a voice. A lot of their businesses are still closed. Um, they a lot of them lost their businesses, and that that you know, and this is the frustration. Will Ricardell, everybody at the Washington Examiner, will. Appreciate you bringing us ground truth from what's going on in D.C., but uh, stay indoors, stay safe tonight, my man. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Buck. Bye.